This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Uh, joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? I'm great. It's great to be back. Uh, we've been uh, we uh, back from our summer hiatus. Uh, it's uh, looking forward to today's show. No, Naz, nothing's as, happened since, Walter. <laughs> as Bob Cole used to say, or uh, probably Bill still says, uh, everything's going on out there. It's been, <laughs> no it's, kidding. It, it's been uh, an active, active, exciting summer of sports. Uh, we, we uh, of course we were we weren't on the air, but uh, we enjoyed it as fans throughout the whole summer. And I, I'd like to take the opportunity to thank Lawrence Fuller. Uh, Lawrence uh, is uh, host of a show on Zoomer Radio on Sunday mornings, and he took over our time slot uh, during the summer. Did a fantastic job. His show is called Inspiring Life Lessons. You can listen to him on Zoomer uh, uh, before us on Sunday mornings. Uh, Lawrence, thanks. Uh, thanks for giving us back our spot. We appreciate it. Uh, we, and we also want to thank the people at Zoomer Radio uh, for give us an, giving us the opportunity to recharge our batteries and to come back. Uh, we're midway through our eighth season, Naz. I never would have thought we would have when we started this back in March of uh, 2014. I didn't think we'd be hanging around this long. But uh, thanks to them. And, of course, thanks to all the listeners who have encouraged us to come back. And thanks once again to our sponsors, the great people who have kept us going over over our over the time. Of course, I'm talking about the great people at Pizzaville, the good people at Alt Infinity, the good people at Rigabon Carly, and also the uh, John Amendola, our mint tink guy, our sports card guy, and our real space guy. Thanks for uh, thanks for bringing us back. We couldn't do it without you, uh, Naz. How was your summer? It was quite good. Interesting summer altogether. Yeah. Great, great sports happening, and and even better things are going to happen in the next couple of weeks for sure. Yeah, certainly, um, um, great summer all around. I have to say, I'm I'm proud to announce, Nance, uh, you're you're well aware of this. You help celebrate with me. Uh, I'm now on the government payroll. I've uh, I actually. <laughs> it, it's kind of nice having those checks pop into auto deposit into my account every uh, every month now. Uh, and the of course the reason for that is I turned sixty five over the summer. Hard to believe that I've hit that milestone. I certainly don't feel it, uh, but I'm uh, I'm uh, right in the middle of Zoomer Zoomerdom nowadays, Naz. So uh, uh, it's nice nice getting that money back from the government after contributing all those years. So uh, that certainly. But let's get it to the sports thing, Naz. Uh, let our listeners know where we're going today. We've got a Canadian men's soccer team that's doing some outstanding things. They're in the middle of the uh, the hex, I think they call it. Uh, they're trying to qualify for the 2022 World Cup. They're off to a pretty good start. 
And who better than Canadian Soccer Hall of Famer, capped by the Canadian men's soccer team, Kahneman and Marcantonio. He'll be on after our first break around 9.20. Later on in the hour, and as we said, a lot of things happened this summer, a lot of them uh, sort of from a, a, a sad perspective. We lost some NHL legends, uh, Roger Bear, Tony Esposito, to, to name a few. And uh, who better to talk about that than NHL historian, uh, writes great stories for NHL.com. Uh, Dave Stubbs. He's been on our show before. He uh, he writes great stories uh, about these legends, and uh, he writes them from pr- perspective of a journalist, but he also writes it from the perspective of being good friends uh, with these people. Antonio and Roger Bear, two heroes from our youth, Nez. Uh, hard to believe they're gone. Mo- nobody represented in a New York Ranger sweater better than Roger Bear. And when you think of the when you think of the Chicago Blackhawks from the era that we grow up, uh, Tony Zero, certainly uh, larger than life figure. So we're going to talk to Dave Stubbs about that. Um, Blue Jays are on a roll, Nez. Uh, before we get to the Blue Jays, uh, so many other things going on. But I think we'd be remiss if we didn't comment on Leila Fernandez, who swept into the hearts of Canadian tennis and Canadian sports fans, a remarkable run to the U.S. Tennis Open final, Naz. Um, she ran out of steam yesterday. Well, she, she had a tough road to the, to the final, right? And um, I think she just ran out of steam. She didn't have enough in her to win it. But she yeah. did a great job, though. Great job. Uh, an exciting era in Canadian tennis. Uh, Bianca Andreescu won the... Uh, when the U.S. Open a couple of years back, 2019, if I'm not mistaken. She's suffered from injury problems uh, yet, and but she's got potential beyond potential. So there's bright days ahead for her, too, and hopefully some more major championships. Uh, watching Leila Fernandez uh, run through the U.S. Open, she, listen, you know, she beat the world number two. She beat the world number three. She beat the world number five. And unfortunately, she ran into uh, an irresistible force uh, yesterday in uh, in Emma Raducanu, uh, who was uh, actually younger than her. First time two teenagers have been in the U.S. Open final or major in a long, long time, going back to the Serena, early Serena days. Um, seems like she's got an incredibly bright future. But like you, Naz, uh, I don't know if she ran out of gas, perhaps. Um, uh, you got to give all credit to her opponent, who's actually born in Toronto. Uh, yeah. Interesting, yeah. interesting uh, coincidence. We had uh, two Canadian-born female players in the uh, in the U.S. Open final. Of course, Emma's parents uh, emigrated to the Great Britain when she was two years old. But she uh, take nothing. I take no nothing away from her performance yesterday. She certainly was a deserving winner. Um, Layla, unfortunately, yesterday couldn't get uh, her first serve under control, for lack of a better term. And I think more than anything, that cost her the match. Uh, it's pretty tough, pretty tough to win against a really, really good opponent with the ground strokes that, that Emma Raducanu has when your first serve isn't firing. Uh, makes it because you look at the quality of the ground strokes from these tennis players. Man, they fire mm. the ball back at each other. And if, if you're not zipping your first serve in, it's like trying to fight a match with one arm tied behind your back. Yeah, but they're serving at 104 miles an hour. Can you believe that? 104 miles an hour. Yeah, that's uh, that's, that's pretty remarkable. Uh, 
so all would give and, and the remarkable thing about Leila Fernandez, she was uh, she stole the hearts of all the fans down at the U.S. Tennis Center. Um, they were they were certainly hoping, uh, uh, you know, a good. I'd say the majority of them would would have would have been thrilled with her victory. They they supported her. She captured their hearts. And I found the most remarkable moment after it was all over that this 19 year old uh, young woman. Uh, you know, to call her a teenager is per- perhaps uh, not the, I mean, she may be a teenager in biological years, but not in maturity. Um, mm. She composed, I mean, she, she gave credit to Emma. Uh, she showed her fighting spirit saying, you know, it's like uh, when she took that second place uh, trophy or that uh, dish or whatever it is, it was, it was like the NHL players when they win the Clarence Campbell, where they, yeah, they yeah, don't yeah, want to, yeah. they don't want to touch that one. They want the real one, right? They want the Stanley cup. They don't want to touch the one where they win their conferences. She, she was, she was gracious. She took it, she took a picture, but she said, this isn't the one that I want. I want the other one. And she said, I want to be back here. And then after all of that, she composed herself and she, and she uh, asked for the microphone back and she made that amazing testament to uh, to the people of New York, of course it was uh, it was nine eleven yesterday, and uh, in that moment, with all the all the pressure, all the emotion, and everything else, that it uh, she was composed enough to give that give that tribute to New Yorkers was really pretty remarkable. And uh, all over all over, uh, you know, there's so many uh, great comments about her and and her composure and her play and her demeanor. I mean the the world uh, the world loves uh, Leila Fernandez right now, and Canadian Canadian tennis fans and Canadian sports fans have certainly have a lot to look forward to, and we look forward to a, a great career from this amazing amazing young woman. The most shocking thing in the tournament I found was how does a tennis of any player get coached without playing? Her father is his coach, her coach, right? Uh, how did yeah? He yeah. coached her, but never played his sport. Yeah, well, he played. Uh, uh, I think her father soccer, played professional right? soccer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, if I'm not mistaken, he's Ecuadorian uh, by birth. Uh, I might be wrong. Um, I believe he was a, a professional professional soccer player. So certainly, she gets the uh, athletic instincts uh, from her dad, and uh, uh, she's just just remarkable. Um, so we certainly look forward to great, great things from her. She going into the tournament, she was seventy third in the world. So I think she's going to climb the ranks pretty quickly. She's at twenty eight now. Uh, twenty. So she's uh, twenty eight with a bullet, as they say, Naz. Yeah. And, uh, so uh, it's it's an it's an exciting era uh, in in uh, in Canadian tennis. Of course, there's Bianca on the women's side. There's uh, Felix and uh, and. Uh, Oh, Dennis uh, Shapovalov on the men's side. Milos is still uh, still there. So uh, Canadian tennis has never been in uh, in better shape than it is right now. We've got a lot of young uh, we've got a lot of young stars that are going to put Canada on the on the tennis map, world map for the for the for the foreseeable future. And talking the about development in basketball players, soccer players, and uh, tennis players is oh, incredible it, for it, for Canada. Yeah, it is pretty work, remarkable. Basketball, you 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 say something. There's a there, and I, the name I don't have at my fingertips right now. I was reading about it a couple of weeks back. The 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 uh, the young man that's touted to be the number one draft choice 
in 2022, just signed with Kentucky. I'm sorry, I don't remember his name. I didn't write it down. I'm 65 years old now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on. I can't remember everything ever, anymore, but I do remember the story, and he's going to Kentucky, and he's, uh, he's uh, and I, right after the show, I'm going to look up the name, and I'm going to write it down so I never forget it again. Um, he's uh, purportedly the, going to be the number one draft choice in the NBA, a Canadian. And you look at some of the great talent. Shame Canada didn't qualify um, uh, for the Olympics. Um, it, uh, it's kind of tough for Canadians. They, they sort of put the t- team together at the last minute. And, uh, you know, they had, a, they had a good run in it. The future is bright. There's no question about it. And we look for great things. Uh, and as you say, Naz, uh, um, we, we, Canada is, is uh, on so many different levels. Uh, uh, you know, we're world class. Uh, you look at what uh, Andre DeGrasse accomplished in the Olympics. Remarkable. Penny Oleksiak, uh, most decorated Canadian Olympian ever. Um, just, just remarkable young Canadian athletes. And we're not even talking about our hockey players because we're going to the Olympics, Nez. Apparently, wow, that's exciting, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm Sydney I'm, and Sydney and Connor are going to play together. Yeah, that would. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not so sure Sydney and Connor are going to be on the same line. Uh, they haven't chosen the team yet, but there's no question Connor McDavid they're, they're, and, and Sydney Crosby are going to be on that team. I got to think Sydney is probably going to be the captain. Um, you know, Crosby's uh, likely to be on that line uh, that has been so successful, Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron. The, those guys are uh, go back a long way. They're talking about Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid on the same line. Uh, can I you imagine those two guys together? <laughs> I know we're getting, I get a little bit off topic here, Nez, but you got me all excited. Uh, yeah. Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, and they're actually saying Mitch Marner may be the, may be the winger on the other side of that line. Uh, uh, just to watch, be able to watch Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon skate on the ice together. That's uh, I don't know if they did it in that under twenty three. Uh, remember when they played the last time they played the World Cup? There was the under twenty three yeah. North American team. They were both uh, on that team, and McKinnon was an absolute force. Matthews is on that team too. Yeah, well, Matthews can be lining up in a different colored <laughs> jersey this time. Uh, you know, the U.S. is going to have a pretty, uh, pretty exciting team. But uh, as well, like I said, as, as Bob Cole says, there's everything going on this morning, and we we did our first break. Didn't even get a chance to talk about the Blue Jays, which what a the remarkable day! The Blue Jays, uh, the Blue Jays. Uh, this may be the most exciting Blue Jays team in history. They're oh my they're God. on a they can hit like crazy. Eh? They can hit like crazy. Oh and, my god! Uh, they're, they're scary. Then when when Springer is in the lineup, uh, I mean they had a, they had a very remarkable day yesterday against the Baltimore Orioles. I mean their their bats were smoking hot uh, yeah. and uh, in the last few innings. And man, is it fun to watch! They they are young and talented and having fun and. It's going to be an exciting rest of September as they march toward the playoffs. They're tied for the wild card this morning, Nez, with the yeah, Yankees. They should, be, they should be pulling ahead. By the end of next week, they should be the number one. Anyways, we uh, we got a few minutes back at at the end of the show. We're certainly going to talk some J-talk. Uh, uh, there's, there's going to be uh, a lot of fun between now and the end of the month. And uh, but we got to go. We've got uh, we got to talk about the great Canadian men's soccer team. We had an exciting Euro with Italy. Uh, you and I are big Atsuri fans, but I'm wearing the red and white now for Canada. 
So we'll talk to who better to talk to than Carmen and Marcantonio. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when we received questions on the new barbecue turkey bacon pizza. What kind of bacon is on it? Well, turkey bacon. It has a barbecue sauce base, red onions, pineapple, hot banana peppers, mozzarella cheese and chilli flakes. Do I need to barbecue it? No, it comes fully cooked. What if I don't have a barbecue? Oh boy. Call Pizzaville at pound 3636 on your cell phone. You won't remember that Real Space Media was once Real Tours Media. What you'll never forget is how they helped you, the real estate agent, sell homes. Or you, the business owner, show off your four walls. Real Space Media has made a name for itself, creating virtual tours and walkthrough floor plans using 3D technology that's light years ahead. In the age of COVID, what better way to see a space safely than through the digital lens of, what were they called again? Realspacemedia.ca. Got a space to showcase? Check out Real Space. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Bond. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. His only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on AM 740 in downtown Toronto. We're on 96.7 FM. You can listen to us all over the world. Live streaming, www.zoomerradio.ca. We actually, Naz and I have a couple of buddies of ours in Australia and Great Britain that actually listen to us uh, on the Internet. So if you're uh, ever short of a radio signal, you can you can listen to us on the Internet. And uh, someday, Naz, we'll go back in studio and we'll actually be live video streaming but uh naz and i have been doing this show remotely since last march and uh i'm getting the urge naz i'm getting the itch i want to get back in the studio hopefully hopefully we'll see that soon anyways we're pleased to welcome to the naz and wally sports Hour a good friend of ours canadian soccer hall of famer carmina marcantonio carmina how are you this morning good morning walter and naz uh, i'm really well thank you uh, thanks for joining us. Kind of the last time we chatted uh, was uh, July the 11th. It was in the morning. We hadn't uh, achieved the result yet, but uh, we were all excited because Euro uh, Italy was going to the Euro Cup final against uh, England. We managed to get the victory. We're all uh, celebrated. And uh, I got one off my bucket list. Uh, there's certain things I wanted to see before, uh, in, uh, you know, before I got a little bit too old. Uh, one one was Italy winning the World Cup, but I'll settle for a Euro. I still want to see the Leafs win a Stanley Cup and Notre Dame <laughs> win, uh, win the number one in college football. But let's talk about 
You know, I put my Azuri sweater away for now, and although the Azuri is doing great, they've just set the record for the most wins by a national, most uh, games by a national team not losing, and I think it's 36, so congratulations to the Azuri. But this week, uh, Carmine, I've got my red and white on. I'm a proud uh, Canadian and a proud supporter of the Canadian men's soccer team, and they are accomplishing right now some things that uh, we need to take notice of and we need to support. At this point, Kadmi, I'd like to bring you in. Uh, first three games, uh, we got some uh, a couple of ties and a great result against El Salvador 3 nothing. Your comments on how the uh, Canadian team looks so far. Yeah, it's been a week for the the Reds, actually, the whole month. Uh, you know, initially in the Olympics uh, with the women national team that uh, gave us that epic uh, gold medal. And then, uh, you know, just off topic, the tennis uh, boys and girls have done uh, tremendous for Canada. I mean, uh, you know, I was watching tennis also, and the Canadians uh, did us proud. And now the national team, the men's national team, the topic, uh, the, the men are looking really well. And, uh, I, I mean, I was impressed by the games. I went to both games uh, as, a, as an alumni of uh, the national team, uh, I was invited to be there, which I gotta give uh, kudos to to Canada soccer football that uh, you know that they're recognizing uh, you know the old old timers and uh, and there was really class of, of, you know from them to invite us the old uh, the old alumni that uh, were all there and we basically really enjoyed the performance. Uh, both against Honduras, I thought the lads were unlucky to just come out with the one point with the draw because they really played well in the second half, especially. They should have got the results. Unfortunately, they, they didn't put it at the back of the net, and that's what counts. But it was still a positive result. And then, uh, as you know, they came up with a, a great gutsy performance in Nashville against the US, U.S., and that was also a 1-1 tie. And another very positive result, and then uh, they ended up with uh, that great win against El Salvador. See nothing. They they started well, and they they really uh, impressed me. And I think uh, we gotta give credit to to Victor Montagnani that uh, put you know he, the for people that don't know Victor is uh, from Vancouver. Victor is the president of Concacaf now, but he was president of the CSA for many years. And he basically put this program together with putting the right people uh, at the helm. And uh, it starts with Jason DeVos, who's uh, in charge of both the women's program and the men's program. Jason is doing a terrific job. And uh, and he hired uh, John Herdman, the coach of the men's national team. But John, as we know, he was instrumental in the success of the women's program. And, and John is a great communicator I think he's a great uh, motivator and he's a, a great reclu- recruiter because uh, uh, we have some very good talent on this men's national team. And most of them are playing in Europe and the MLS. So I think it bodes well. It's only the beginning, though, Walter, as you know. It's, uh, it's a hard, uh, I think it's, it's going to be a hard go through CONCACAF, but that I, I, it bodes well for the future, and yeah, from those uh, three games that we, we saw. Nes? Hi, Carmen. How are you? Hey, Nes. I'm well. Thank you. Good. Uh, 
Canada has developed some great players in the last 10 years, five to 10 years. Does the MLS have a lot to do with it, having a domestic league here? Yeah, that's, that's an amazing question. Of course, uh, MLS has everything to do with this. Uh, in my time, if we go back in my time, the only other time that uh, Canada qualified for the World Cup was in uh, it was in '86 uh, in Mexico, and that was from the ashes of the North American Soccer League. I mean, we go back to Bobby Narduzzi, Wes McLeod, and all players that had, you know the, the Jerry Gray, all players that went to to you know were part of Bruce Wilson. They were part of that national team, and, and we developed thanks to the old NSL. We were apprentices playing against Georgie Best, they've said, your Cruyff, uh, uh, and, and you name it. All the best players of the 70s and 80s were playing in the North American Soccer League. And we as Canadians developed and, and produced some very good talent uh, in the 70s and 80s, and, and that's you become an apprentice and, and, and the soccer player. That's how you learn the, the, the game. And this happens now, it's happening now with the development of uh, the academies in both the U.S. and Canada. We have a lot of good Canadian boys that have been developed in the last 10 years from, you know, the TFC, from Montreal and, and Vancouver. I was watching the Impact game yesterday and I can believe it. Uh, on the field, the, the the whole defense core was made of Canadians, uh, and and so is you know uh, uh, you can see it with TFC, with Osorio, with uh, Larea, and and also with Vancouver Whitecaps. But the great thing is that these players are being bought, purchased by the developed. you know, by the M M by the M M I S L. No, in my so what am I talking? MLS. No, what am I talking about? Uh, and and they, you know, the talent is showing. And look at uh, Buchanan. Buchanan is playing for New England, young man, one of the stars of this team, and he's been bought by Bruce by millions of dollars. The great examples are Fonso Davis, twenty million plus. He was bought uh, from Vancouver Whitecaps by by Munich, uh, and you know he's a star now by Munich. Uh, David, Jonathan David, also developed in uh, MLS and, and now is playing at Lille in uh, League One in France. And nine players out of the 11 players are playing in Europe in, uh, you know, from this national team that played against El Salvador. So we got the, the, we got the talent and, and these players are playing at top level. Some of them are playing in Champions League, like Atipa Ch- uh, Acheson. They're playing with Besiktas in, in Turkey, and he's captain in that team. And so is Levin playing for Besiktas. You know, they're playing Eustachio. I was impressed with him at midfield. He's playing in Portugal. So that's what's happening. And you know, we're developing the youth, and this has happened in the last 10 to 15 years. Carmen, uh, you know, uh, we just touched very briefly. Um, you know, watching Alfonso Davies, uh, and he's he's considered one of the top ten uh, players in the world under the age of twenty-one, if not top three. I mean, he's he's just a remarkable soccer player, and I don't know if there's. I mean, he's just so exciting to watch, and he's he's a complete handful for anybody who's got to play. I mean, he plays. The amazing part about him for Bayern, he plays left back. 
if, uh, if that's what they call that position nowadays. But for the Canadian national men's team, he's an attacker or a high midfielder, however, however Herdman plays him. And, you know, and, and, he, and, he, and he causes fits on the defense on, on that side, whichever side he's playing. And I don't think there's a faster soccer player in the world. I mean, he just blows by people. He's so exciting to watch. And 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 the remarkable thing about this Canadian team is, for the first time in in a long time that I can remember, they actually have some depth. They can, you know, they don't have to rely upon just eleven players. You you can go seventeen, eighteen deep on this team, um, and, and still have quality. And they were able to overcome uh, Alfonso Davies not playing um, against El Salvador and still got a, a 3-0 result. So depth, I want you to comment on the depth of this Canadian team and also what's remarkable that I haven't seen in Canadian teams in the past, they've come from behind. They were yeah, behind against Honduras and they were behind against the United States and they fought back really quickly and they got equalizers really quickly. Um that's pretty heart, heart, uh, heartwarming to see that from a Canadian team. Carmina? Yeah, we're playing good football. It's amazing. Like I said, these players are, you know, you mentioned Alfonso Davis. So let's start with him. He's a star in uh, Bayern Munich. And you're right, when he's playing their left fullback, but really, left fullback nowadays in the total soccer is like the left wing. So he he done that position also with the Vancouver White Cup. Uh, you know, so many games, uh, him playing also as a left fullback, but but he become a left midfielder and eventually a winger going forward, right? So that's what he's doing with Bayern Munich. It goes back and forth, but uh, with the national team, because we have also capable young men that play uh, this young man, I was really impressed with him. Sam Adekube, very difficult to say, but uh, he's 26, playing, I believe, in Belgium. And uh, he's originally, I think, born in, in in the UK, but he's from Calgary. From uh, I believe he grew up in Calgary, and he was he's a left fullback, and I was really impressed with him also. And so Alfonso, you know, uh, is playing left wing with with Canada, but we you know he could also play left fullback very well doing it with with uh, with Bayern, and then. You know, we had this young man. I'm very impressed with Buchanan. Uh, Tejan Buchanan is, is doing amazing with New England. And you know what? They noticed in Belgium, and he went with Club Bruges. They bought him, I don't know, for how many millions of dollars. He's, he's on loan now with New England. He just scored yesterday, I think, he scored the winning goal uh, for New England. But in January, uh, the transfer window is going to play in Europe. And, and they're playing in Champions League, like I said. Uh, they're playing within... In the, these players are not playing in the hard leagues uh, in England, France, Belgium, and and and, and Turkey. You know, with Lyon and and Atiba Atchison playing in Champions League with Besiktas, so they're growing and they they're developing because they're always playing under pressure. Every every week is under pressure. Champions is under pressure, and they showed it playing under pressure. Like you said, coming back from. One nothing down against the U.S. and 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 really and against Honduras and they're coming back in the second half they dominated they could have scored three goals they should have won that game and so against the U.S. they could have won that game against the U.S. I thought they they were the better team in the second half so kudos I think to Jason Devos and and the coach Herdman 
for recruiting these players because they're playing all they're scattered now all over the Europe and and start with also Milan Bojan playing Red Star in Belgrade he's captain that team and not the goalie uh, so uh, yeah, as great, I said it bodes well for us and, yeah. but but you know Walter and uh, playing in South, uh, playing in Central yeah. America and Mexico <laughs> it's not like playing in Canada in the US yeah, it's, it's certainly a time. Better, I mean, when I, they have to go to El Salvador, Honduras, and Mexico, yeah. I think in October, yeah. uh, it, it's going to be warfare in those countries. Yeah. Well, certainly, I mean, on that note, uh, we've got uh, we've got Mexico and Jamaica, uh, the next two games, I believe, uh, and they're going to be away games. Uh, Kami, we've got to let you go. We've got a busy show. This is uh, We're going to have you, you know, I think we're going to have you on quite a bit as Canadian men's soccer team uh, makes its way towards the final. And on last note, we don't want to forget the remarkable accomplishment, and we'll talk about this uh, uh, at, in depth, uh, perhaps on a future show. The Canadian women's team winning the Olympic gold—a remarkable, remarkable achievement that we have to recognize. And we recognize it now. On that note, Kaidman, we're going to have to let you go. We've got to go to break. We've got Dave Stubbs coming up, and we thank you. And we'll chat with you real soon. Thanks, Kaidman. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. Take care. Take care. All right. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised we all have things we should cut back on. For me half-brother Rayul, that's ordering inflatable toys. For others, it's carbs. So Pizzaville made the extra thin crust pizza. You get the same authentic Italian taste as our regular pizza, but with two-thirds less carbs. Because the last thing Rayul wants is an inflatable waste. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. He is only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. You won't remember that Real Space Media was once Real Tours Media. What you'll never forget is how they helped you, the real estate agent, sell homes. Or you, the business owner, show off your four walls. Real Space Media has made a name for itself, creating virtual tours and walkthrough floor plans using 3D technology that's light years ahead. In the age of COVID, what better way to see a space safely than through the digital lens of, what were they called again? Realspacemedia.ca. Got a space to showcase? Check out Real Space. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabine. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. It's our privilege at this time to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour 
Dave Stubbs. Dave is a columnist and historian at, at the National Hockey League. He's got some great stories. You can check him out at NHL.com. Uh, Dave, are you with us? Walter, good morning. Good morning, Dave. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's been, uh, as I, you and I chatted off the air the other day, uh, it's been an eventful summer. Naz and I have been off the air since late June. There's a lot of things that we missed, and one of the things we've always done on the show is we've always paid homage to the greats that uh, of, of in sports, uh, specifically the NHL we're going to talk about today, um, that we grew up with, uh, our heroes from our youth, um, I know you're boyhood hockey hero, and I just want to explain to our listeners right now that uh, you can be found at NHL.com. You can be found on Facebook. You can be found on Twitter. That's where all your great, uh, your great, great stories, where you you retell the stories from all these heroes, all these legends of the past. Uh, two, I want to talk about today, perhaps, and uh, uh, perhaps even more uh, that we lost uh, good friends of yours. I, I'd like to preface that by saying when you write, you're a lot of times writing about your friends. Rod Gilbert and Tony Esposito, we we lost both of them, and when I read about it, when it popped up on my screen on my iPhone, I took a, a moment to pause and think of all the great memories I had. I couldn't think of any more gentlemen wore a New York Rangers sweater prouder than Rod Gilbert, and who can forget the exploits of Tony Zero in the late 60s and early 70s. Dave, I'll I'll turn it over to you. Uh, you got the opportunity to write about these these fine fine gentlemen who have been friends of yours. Um, we lost both of them this year. Your thoughts? Well, Walter, we lost two great champions. Obviously, uh, Tony Esposito and Rod Gilbert um, were just icons in the game. Both Hall of Famers. Uh, both defined certainly the eras in which they played in a lot of ways. Uh, Jean Beliveau told me many, many years ago that uh, one of the, the things about um, being part of a large family is that uh, you have a lot of uh, a lot of people around you, you have a lot of love around you, but you also have the unfortunate occasion of, uh, of hurting a lot when you lose um, many members of your family. And, um, you know, that made sense. Of course, anything that Jean Beliveau ever said made sense, but, uh, no, that is very true. Um, and hockey certainly lost uh, two great champions uh, with these gentlemen and I, I lost um, two men I was very privileged to call friends. Tony uh, and I just love talking about goaltending. I'm a bit of a goalie geek. I have been forever. I mean, the first guy that I ever sort of watched play goal when I was a kid growing up in Montreal had been Charlie Hodge. He and Gump Worsley. Rogi Vachon became my, my first hockey hero, I guess, my first legitimate hockey hero. And through the years, I guess like catchers in baseball, uh, goaltenders have a very different sort of uh, mind's eye view of the game. Uh, everything is happening for the most part in front of them. Anything that's happening behind them, they don't want to know. Uh, but uh, Tony was wonderful. The stories that he had, he was a very quiet man, was uh, was quite private. Um, he was wonderful with fans. He was a great ambassador for the Chicago Blackhawks in the last years of his life. Uh, to watch him work the suites at the United Center in Chicago and, uh, you know, let people try on, uh, you know, uh, various rings that he had, championship rings that uh, the Blackhawks had given him one for one of their more recent championships. And he had one for, uh, I guess, a Canadians championship that um, he was a member of in the late 1960s when he broke in before he was even a rookie with the Blackhawks. Uh, it was very special uh, to watch Tony work the rooms. And, um, 
he was so private that uh, when his pancreatic cancer was diagnosed in early July, he pretty much just swore his family absolutely to secrecy. So the first that I learned of Tony's passing was when Gary Bettman sent an email to members of the National Hockey League uh, family. Those of us who work in the offices in Montreal, Toronto, and New York uh, expressing uh, condolences on behalf of the NHL, and it literally just knocked me down. Um, so, you know, Tony had told his brother, Phil, I don't want anyone to know about this. And, and Tony, being a very private man, the idea behind this from conversation with his family was that um, he didn't want people coming at his at his wife and his two sons from all different angles uh, they wanted to do this as a family. Um, he underwent a, a fair bit of treatment at a hospital in Wisconsin, but pancreatic cancer might be the worst one that you get, and I think it was about five weeks from diagnosis until Tony's passing. So um, true to the family, I think they have uh, had just a very small, very, very private memorial service uh, down in St. Petersburg where one of his sons uh, has a restaurant. And um, his wife, uh, Marilyn, uh, my God, they were high school sweethearts. Uh, you know, she's having a, a difficult time, obviously, I mean, processing all of this, but she's got a lot of support from family and uh, and friends and Phil uh, who will help her through this. Um, Rod Gilbert was uh, a bit of a different story. In that, I mean, Rod, I mean, if ever there were a, a man who was born uh, to wear the, uh, the Broadway blue shirt, it would have been Rod. And I mean, it's amazing when you think about that. Here's a kid who was born in Princeville outside of Montreal, uh, called Montreal his hometown became property of the uh, of the New York Rangers through their junior team in Guelph. He and Jean Rattel were, uh, were basically school friends, I mean, in the Montreal area. From the time they were about 10 or 12 years of age, they played together in the Montreal Forum in, um, in a Bantam tournament. They went together to Guelph. They wound up with the Rangers together and with Vic Hatfield, of course, formed the famous gag line, the goal of game line. When I spoke with Rod in April of 2000, uh, we were just very early in the stages of the pandemic, and uh, he was going out on his balcony every night, uh, and he was tapping uh, his Sherwood PMP 5030 wood stick on the balcony, and, um, you know, sort of as a bit of a salute to the uh, frontline workers uh, in Manhattan who were working hard and putting their lives literally on the line every day uh, for the health and the, uh, the welfare of New Yorkers. Um, Rod at that time was undergoing uh, some treatment for uh, for some health problems that he was having, uh, and we discussed them uh, on the record, and he was fine with it. And then an hour after our conversation, he called me back. He said, I'd like you to do me a favor and don't mention any of that because I don't want the focus of this story to be on me. I want it to be about these people who are doing great work in New York. Uh, so Rod was always known as Mr. Ranger. He played 1,065 games in the NHL, every single one for the Rangers. Uh, he played a bit of minor pro. Um, but the Rangers would have been the only pro jersey he would have worn that in Team Canada in 1972, as Tony O also represented Canada in the Summit Series. Um, Rod scored 406 goals, uh, 615 assists. Uh, he still has a whole host of New York Rangers records. Uh, his jersey was the first to be uh, hung to the rafters of Madison Square Garden in 1979, the first of um, 10 numbers that are up there now. And, um, you know, Jean Rattel was, uh, was, was crushed uh, by the loss of his childhood friend. I think that Vic Hadfield was left absolutely inconsolable. Uh, I reached out to, uh, to Vic the night of, uh, that Rod's passing was announced, and uh, he couldn't even speak, and he said, call me back. And uh, I've just given Vic some space because, uh, you know, you can't imagine guys who have played together, uh, who roomed together, who uh, had a bond that those of us who've never played on a team can never understand. 
uh, you know, to lose someone who is literally may as well be a blood brother uh, must be just crushing for them. And uh, Jean Rattel is one of the classiest, uh, finest gentlemen he'd ever meet. Uh, he's certainly cut from the same cloth as Jean Beliveau was. Uh, Jean is, uh, is, is, is totally broken up by this. He turns uh, 81 in October. And Rod was 80. I think they were born just about eight months apart. Uh, so it's been a very, very tough summer. And the fact that you're talking about losing two great, uh, great gentlemen like this, I mean, these guys are, uh, are legends uh, for all the right reasons, uh, for the way they played the game, uh, for the way they, uh, they embraced fans, for the way they uh, carried, their lives, carried on their lives through uh, beyond uh, retirement, and just, just the way they, their comportment was exemplary. So to, to lose two legends like this and, and for me to lose two friends, it's been uh, it's been a tough summer for sure um, and I've I've always uh, Walter as you know uh, the work that I do it's to celebrate the lives of these gentlemen while they're with us and there's a whole generation of hockey fans internet hockey fans now who really might not necessarily know very much about the Tony Espositos and the Rod Bear as well if even a handful of them Google the names and go back and start to dig a little bit into what they do and then see the uh, the tributes that I write uh, about these men after they pass, uh, then that's great because uh, these are the gentlemen on whose backs the NHL was built and there's not an NHL player in the game today who does not owe certainly a portion of, uh, of the privileged lives that they lead uh, to guys like this. Um, Naz, I'll, uh, we're talking to Dave Stubbs, a uh, noted historian at uh, the National Hockey League, and great, great uh, articles and stories at NHL.com. Naz, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, Dave, I've read both articles, and I'm really uh, surprised. And uh, Frank Sinatra had two songs that um, was um, were very uh, popular with Phil, uh, sorry, Tony Esposito and... Um, Roger Bear. Can you tell me a bit about the two Sinatra songs involved? Well, uh, the first one would be Tony O's favorite. It was uh, Summer Wind, which Frank Sinatra wrote, record, or that he recorded in about 1965. Uh, he's, there were a variety of recordings of it, but when I visited with Tony a few years ago at his home uh, in South Florida, he had this spectacular jukebox, and uh, I think he had about 60 45 RPM records in it, so 120 songs. But as we looked out over Tampa Bay, and you could see these black clouds billowing and this, this storm about to uh, to roll in, uh, Tony hit the button on this uh, spectacular Seaberg stereophonic uh, jukebox that he had, and he said, I want to play you one song. And I heard the needles start to scratch in the vinyl, and then Frank Sinatra, the opening bars of Frank Sinatra's Summer Wind, arranged by Nelson Riddle, uh, played. And uh, Tony just sort of looked and smiled and looked out over the clouds that were coming. And the lyrics uh, talk about uh, the summer wind and, and, you know, just the the weather of the summertime. If ever there were a song that certainly, you know, spoke to what summer is, I mean, you can almost feel summer in that song and in those lyrics. That was uh, Tony O's favorite Sinatra song, mine as well. And uh, we kind of bonded over a bit that day, and we'd talk about it from time to time when we spoke. So that one was, uh, was very dear to Tony and to myself. And New York, New York, the, the Sinatra anthem was uh, was huge uh, in the uh, certainly in the life of Rod Gilbert. And uh, I joked with him. I said, um, when you were tapping your stick on the balcony, were you yelling down 33 floors from your you know, your apartment in, in on the Upper East Side to any of the workers? And he said, oh, they couldn't hear me anyway because I've got this, this boombox playing behind me. And he had Sinatra. Uh, kind of roaring uh, over his stick, so uh, that was a hugely important song to him, and uh, 
that song was performed at his memorial this past week, as was uh, the song That's Life, which is uh, another great Sinatra tune and another one that um, pretty much New Yorkers associate uh, with uh, with that city and with the Sinatra. So those were uh, very special songs in the in the lives of those guys. And, um, you know, you, you wouldn't hear too much uh, modern music in, uh, in the jukebox of Tony Esposito or on the playlist of Rod Gilbert. But Sinatra was special to them, as, uh, as he certainly has been to a lot of us. So um, those were very special songs to everyone. Oh, we're talking to Dave Stubbs. Dave, I, uh, I came across, I'm, a, I'm a loyal follower of you on, uh, on Facebook and also on, uh, on Twitter. And uh, you, you did a, a post on August 24th. I really want our listeners to, uh, to listen. I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to quote verbatim from your post, uh, David. Uh, the writing is exceptional. I want our listener. I want to expose the listeners who aren't followers of yours, and they uh, they take an interest in the, in the, in all the greats in the NHL from the past. I do really. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read it, Dave, with your indulgence, just to give our listeners uh, an idea of the quality of of what you post. And I'll I'll just very and we'll chat about it after. This will take about a minute or two. Um, you started off like this, August 24th, uh, in the words of Dave Stubbs. I stopped today drew a long breath, and took a bit of an inventory of how many hockey legends, truly heroes of my youth, I have grown to know as friends, strong bonds forged between us beyond anything I could ever have imagined, which makes the loss of these friends sharper, deeper, more painful, and very much more personal. To do this, to share stories of late legends who became friends, is a privilege. But everyone I write takes one more photo from a boy's scrapbook, one more picture off his bedroom wall. There is one less hockey card in the stack. Dave, you must have been emotional when you wrote that because the emotion certainly certainly comes through in, in, in your words. Well, the emotions are always pretty raw, especially when you lose someone who is dear to you. And, um, yeah, I grew up, I mean, the thing that I always kind of hearken back to, Walter, is that, you know, I these guys were, were pictures cut out of Hockey Illustrated and, and Hockey Pictorial Magazine and, and Weekend Magazine and Canadian Magazine, newspaper color supplements, and these were taped up on, on the door of my bedroom and on bedroom walls, and they were in scrapbooks. And, you know, then later on, to get to know these gentlemen, certainly to begin with interviews and various conversations to write stories, and then that would kind of just morph into another call and, and another conversation, and then you just... The lines be- between journalist and, and interview subject uh, are just blurred completely, and then you know a bit of a friendship develops. Um, I've been privileged to uh, to form that kind of a bond with uh, Dave Keon as well, certainly with with Jean Beliveau, with Elmer Locke when he was with us uh, in Montreal. Uh, Glenn Hall would be my best friend in hockey now, and uh, Glenn is about to turn ninety in uh, less than a month. And we're on the phone regularly, and uh, anytime I'm out towards Edmonton, uh, I have a standing invitation to drop into Glenn's farm uh, out on the, in Stony Plain, Alberta, outside of Edmonton, and he's standing on the on the front veranda with a can of beer waiting for me when I pull up the driveway past the famous barn that he was uh, that he was painting unable to go to training camp because he wasn't happy with the contract that Tommy Ivan was offering him. So, 
Yeah, it's uh, these are all very very special people to me, and uh, and and the pain is very real. Uh, again, what's very important for me again is to try to you know celebrate these men while they're with us. Uh, there are some guys I write about who have uh, long since passed, and I like to be able to at least uh, maybe rekindle some memories or or stir up a bit of uh, interest and conversation among fans uh, about their careers and lives. But certainly the guys who are with us. It's very, very important for me to uh, be able to tell their stories while they're here. And, um, you know, in all the conversations that we have, only a fraction of what we talk about ever makes it into my stories. But all of the, the conversations we have gives me context and gives me background and gives me a sense of what motivated them and what made these people very special on and off the ice. So it's that context that I can, I think, bring to the work that I do to try to uh, just tell people how important they were to the game of hockey and uh, talk about their lives off the rink because um, I treat all of these interview subjects, all of these friends, as uh, as, as men and as uh, you know, family men and, and gentlemen uh, before you know, they're even hockey players because um, that's really the, the lowest common denominator with all of them is the fact that these are all very special men uh, who just happen to be very gifted athletes. Dave, we've only got about a minute left with you. Unfortunately, we've uh, we've run out of time. Uh, really, really quickly, you got you got an opportunity yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, uh, to uh, to chat with uh, two uh, two. Uh, or you posted yesterday, anyways, your chats with Dick Irvin and Scotty Bowman. Uh, what can what can we expect to see from that? Well, I've got something that'll be coming to NHL.com early this week. Uh, I guess the, the relationship between Scotty Bowman and Dick Irvin Jr. goes back to about 1955 when Scotty was a junior B coach and the Richard riot began in the Montreal Forum on the night of the 17th of March, 55, and uh, Scotty sort of ran down the stairs and Dick Irvin Jr., who was keeping stats for his father, who was coaching the Canadians, dragged him into the Canadians' dressing room to safety. And that's where their relationship began. So uh, Scotty was in town for the renaming of an arena in his hometown of Verdun. Uh, and uh, I arranged when he was in, I said, listen, you and Dick and I have to get together for lunch. So I took these two gents out for lunch yesterday. And uh, I swear to God, you needed to duck to avoid being hit by the stories that were flying. But um, it was wonderful. And I'm actually, as we speak right now, I have uh, the, the story on my screen in front of me and I'm working on it. And it should be published on NHL.com early this week. We will, we will certainly, I will be certainly, and we will all certainly be looking forward to it, Dave. Uh, certainly would love, we, would wanna, we love reading your stories. We thank you so much for joining us. As usual, we wish we had more time, but unfortunately we don't. Dave Stubbs, thanks so much for joining us, Dave. Thanks for having me. Anytime at all, Walter. Nice, nice talking. Nice talking to Dave Stubbs. Uh, I encourage you, if you like reading stories from, uh, for lack of a better from, uh, from the old days, uh, Dave Stubbs at NHL.com. You can find him on Facebook. You can find him on Twitter. Naz, we only got a minute left, uh, 30 seconds. Bill Steelers, what are you seeing? Oh, yeah. That's, that's going on today, too, right? It is. Give me your prediction. I think Buffalo will win, but uh, don't underestimate Pittsburgh this year because everybody's calling them for them to be we didn't get a chance. We're winning only six games, and I, I think we're going to be a lot better than that. So. Watch out for Najee Harris. He's uh, he's going to be a force out there. Uh, Blue Jays, I apologize to our listeners. We didn't get a huge chance. We promise we'll start off the show next Sunday with Blue Jay talk. Where are the Blue Jays going, Naz? Well, how's we're going this going to the World the Series. Jays? We're going to the World Series. On yeah, that note. we're going to the World Series. If Naz says it, there's a good chance it's going to happen. Uh, to all our listeners, thanks for rejoining us. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. Have a fantastic and safe week. 
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.